Welcome to No Acid Needed. This is Zara Zadeh, a Harvard-trained clinical psychologist and recovering chronic overthinker. I share with you so many uh, jewels, gems, and gifts that I've discovered along my journey to becoming me, becoming myself minus all of the limiting beliefs and stories and programming. So this is what these episodes will help you do as well, is to rewrite what is within your subconscious so that you can live abundantly as your most confident, radiant self. If you would like the full-length episodes and a whole lot more resources, I invite you to become a patron of the show. If you're listening to this right now, you're only getting the partial length episodes. It is simply an option for you to give back to the show and receive even more. If you're not able to afford that subscription, please send us an email and money will not be a barrier for you. Welcome to No Acid Needed. All right. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I have Damien with me here. I just introduced him. And um, uh, let's just jump right in. You made a post. I found you just recently. I was honestly, it, it rarely ever happens that I find someone online where I read a post and you know, I'm like, okay, um, let's just clear my schedule for the next however long it takes to read everything else that I find interesting on their page. So, so that's what happened. It rarely happens, but sometimes it happens. And those tend to be the people that I want to connect with and learn more from and receive more from. So the one particular post, I mean, tons of gems uh, on your page, like I've already shared with, um, with um, people that listen to the podcast. But this one particular one really, you know, I found really striking. And it was where you wrote, and I quote, someone can only ever meet you to the degree you are capable of receiving them, i.e. meeting yourself. And I found that profound for a number of reasons. Before we go there, I'd love to hear more about what 
drove you to explore that? What was sort of the context around it? What you meant by it? Mm. Welcome, Damien. Mm. <laughs> I'm really curious to hear the impact on you as well. So I'm like, oh, do I want to share? I don't want to ask kind of back <laughs> on you. Um, but I like your question before we dive into that. So what drove me, like, that's a bigger context, you know, and it's my own, it's driven by my own desire to you know, understand and experience intimacy. You know, intimacy is this uh, phenomena that's, that happens between beings, you know, or between, yeah, between beings, you know, it can happen between me and myself, it can happen between me and nature, it can happen between me and animals, me and other humans. And then in particular, it can happen between me and romantic partners. You know, that's kind of where it gets really like nuanced and juicy and alive and vibrant. So kind of the, the work that I do tends to be all around the exploration of intimacy, the exploration of being connected to other, self and other. Um, so that's kind of the driving position of, of where that quote comes from. And so what kind of rose for that was just that I've been in an inquiry amongst many other inquiries around receiving, both giving and receiving and feeling the the reciprocity between those things um, and that that like I'm only able to give what I'm capable of receiving and I'm only able to mm -hmm. receive to the degree that I'm able to open myself to receive and mm -hmm. and so anytime I'm not able to open to receive some kind of defense is going to come up in block of that and they may be so habitual that I don't even realize that I'm acting defensively I don't even realize that I'm in the way of my own receiving, that I'm in the way of being open to more love, more devotion, more surrender, more eroticism, more intimacy, you know? Um, and so that's kind of where that inquiry comes from. It's like, well, how do I learn to receive more? How do I actually mm -hmm. open to having more? And, and what does that mean? So that's, that's kind of like a bit of a vague answer, but I'm willing to, to dive into that a bit more. So I'm just, I'm also curious around like what that opened up for you and what you expected. <laughs> well, I took a screenshot of that and then I opened up a Notion page and then just wrote forever. Um, so it brought up a lot. We're not going to go into everything, but mm -hmm. I'm going to try to just distill a few things. I loved your response. And I think that's an area it's, it's so, it's so large, like receiving. And I think it relates to so much and, um, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful space to explore. So let's see, I have my notion just pulled up here. <laughs> um, honestly. Okay. So it brought up a lot, I think some of the more like a to kind of give like a, a short vignette um i realized that for me receiving myself has a lot to do with letting go of control um and the illusion of control and the illusion of safety and security and it's led to micro realizations ever since that day that I messaged you. As soon as I found you, I messaged you. So since then, um, it's led me to realize that when 
when we don't, when we hold on to control and we hold on to our experience being a certain way, of course we can, you know, rationally see that that would be limiting. But what, but what I wasn't seeing, which was in my blind spot, was the fact that I was actually manufacturing um, that excitement in more synthetic ways in my life rather than allowing it organically in the space of just receiving more of myself and going further into the unknown and being even more outside of my comfort zone and what I call free falling, which makes a lot of sense to me. It's like blindly free falling where same thing as if you're going into the unknown, you're blindly going into the unknown because it's pitch black. You have no idea what's there. You have no idea what you're going to encounter. And in that state, it's a, it's a the way I experience it, it's a very visceral state of feeling very alive, very activated, but that's organic. That's just happening organically as you receive more of yourself into your body. And I find that so incredible that our body is so attuned to this in such a natural way that it responds, you know, in no time. And it shows us through our own direct experience the way. Um, so yeah, so it, it connected to that. I realized that <laughs> I realized that certain, and there's nothing wrong with fantasy. There's nothing wrong with like creating your own beautiful, exciting experiences. It's just that um, when one might be doing it to avoid stepping into the unknown in a real way, in the grand arena of life, <laughs> then it tends to be just another manifestation of wanting to hold on to control. Totally. And, and the moment that like I'm in the fantasy and I'm trying to manage the future or manage the present in order to move towards that fantasy future that I've created. It's like, all I'm going to find is flaws. Mm. All I'm going to find is the things that aren't meeting that idealized expectation of where I'm going. So I'm in this managing state and mm. what I'm going to, I'm going to, all <laughs> I'm going to be filled with is doubt. It's a fear-based response to the present yeah. moment because it's a fear-based response saying yeah. this present moment oh my god is it going to align with this future projection of where i'd like to go what am i going to do how am i going to manipulate and manage and control i like that you said the word control this present moment this being that i'm interacting with myself whatever it is how am i going to like kind of you know get really tight with it so that it can get to where I where I hope it's going to go. And what happens is I drain all the joy out of it. I drain all the mystery out of it. And I'm no longer in the not knowing. And what I also like got from what you're sharing, what your share brought up is it's like, we have like how we got to where we are now as adults is from being in the unknown. As a child, the unknown is a natural state of being. That's how we grow. We cannot grow up. From a child to an adult without being in the unknown we don't know what the hell is happening to us yes as we're growing as our perspective changes and then somehow as an adult we stop yeah and we go oh okay we, we take on lots of societal conditionings and we take on lots of ideas and we kind of like okay mm -hmm. we get kind of a bit entrenched and we go okay this is how it's got to be and it's got to be this way and we stop and life stalls and then we don't have this this novelty this emergence you know, that, mm -hmm. that I hear you speaking to. And that I'm also a, like a huge fan of and love for of like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know what's coming next. And that's actually exhilarating, you know? And, and I, I've been finding myself saying more and more that 
I desire to go beyond what I can conceive. So, you know, I've done lots of reading and I like, you know, I've, I've got lots of concepts and ideas of what intimacy looks like and can be. And I want to go beyond that. I actually yeah. want to go beyond right. my conceptualization of what could happen, what polarity is and what love can be and what's, you know, the deepest sexual experiences I might have can be. I want to go, actually want to go beyond what I know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing, yeah. um, there's just so much coming up. One, one thing that I find would relate perfectly to kind of your, your field where you're, you're exploring. Okay. First, before I mention that, um, you mentioned children and, um, if anyone listening is into game theory, um, another thing to throw in here uh, as a comparison to help you understand and relate to what we're saying is explore, exploit. Like as a, as a child, you're tuned to exploration. Like your DNA is literally, um, that's what you're um, calibrating for. That's, your, that's what you're doing. As adults, we move further and further and further into exploit and we lose that sense of um, wonder and that sense of curiosity. That's mindfulness for me. It's just be curious more in every moment. And then the other thing that was brought up. Yes, for a second. Absolutely, so please. I, in part, in part of the course that I teach, I teach one whole module on curiosity. And I have a new saying: mm. um, curiosity didn't kill the cat. Curiosity turned it into a fucking lion. Right? That's what created the the kings of the jungle was their curiosity. And same for us as humans, we are born as this this thing that can't even do anything for itself versus like a spider that can knows how to do a web and versus even like other mammals you know like cows or elephants or anything they're born they're often walking in like you know 15 minutes after being born we don't know how to walk we have to figure it out through curiosity so the only instinct the only like inbuilt program inside of us as a human being is our curiosity we don't have any other inbuilt programming like other animals do so we don't know how to do anything else other than what we learn how to do. So we have to learn. That's fascinating. Okay. Um, another, another connection that I made from all of this that we just spoke about was falling in love. I realized that, oh my God, this whole concept of falling in love is is meant to be experienced completely in the unknown. And I had a whole light bulb moment of, wow, I don't think I've ever had that. You know, Uh, I've been in the unknown in other areas of my life, but not in the area of relationships where it's a lot more scary. Um, And so I I just kind of like, I was like, wow, is that what kind of falling in love is is kind of supposed to be quote unquote. It's, you know, you're, you're not supposed to be controlling for an outcomer. Um, it, it really is meant to be this falling. You, you're not, you don't know what to expect. You don't know really how the other person really feels. It's like if you, if you know all those things in advance, it's like, there's no risk. It's such a safe bet. You, you're not really falling in love like that experience. What are your thoughts on that? Because that was just something I, I love thought, that. you know. <laughs> I know, I love that. I think that's like, I'm just listening to you going, oh, that's such a great reframe of that term falling mm-hmm. in love, you know? Because there's there's a point where we get a bit averse to that. Like, I don't want to fall in love. Like, we, we have the perspective totally. of like fall down. But I love the reframe that you just get like 
when you were talking about that free fall into the mystery, that falling in love is actually like falling into the mystery. And that makes total, total sense to me of like, and, and it's, it's so counter to the ways that we tend to try and do love where we're trying Seriously, to, yeah. trying to get security from the other as soon as we can. We're trying to manage the other in some way to get their commitment, to get their, promise to get them to say yes they're going to choose us above all else mm -hmm. and we want to manage all of that you know we want to get to marriage we want to do all of these things in order to secure the other so okay I've got it now finally when I've got it then I'll be able to relax and be okay but the problem is when I'm orienting from that perspective I never actually I'm constantly having to make sure I never get yes. to relax I'm constantly having to make sure that they're still there mm -hmm. so this falling in love possibility is like I don't know. I don't know. I, I There's no agreement. I don't ask you for any promise to me. I'm just going to show up and hope that you want to show up. <laughs> and then we just see mm -hmm. what happens. And then we just explore. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And I don't know how I'm going to feel. And in that place, it's like every single day is something new in the connection. Every single day is something new. Yes. I don't know what's going to happen. Anytime that a conflict arises between us, it's like, wow, what is this unveiling? What is actually happening between us? What are we going to discover more about each other in this moment? Mm -hmm. you know? Because mm -hmm. something that I, I often speak about is it's like, and I'm sure you can agree with me, I, like if I do internal introspective work and I meditate or I start looking into myself, I don't know where I end. I, I don't know the fullness of yeah. me. Like yeah. my own experience is a mystery. I'm constantly <laughs> learning something about myself, right? And mm -hmm. so if I turn towards you, you're the same. Like, if I can't know where the end of me is, I definitely can't know where the end of you is. So I can explore you forever. But then there's also a third space. The space between you and I is another space. We call it the we space. There's, there's an actual third that emerges between us that can also be explored forever. This is a novel arising that only happens between you and I. And that can be explored too. And that is even more unknown because that's not just me. Me, I can kind of manage the way I navigate me. And maybe if I'm relating to you, we can, we've got some degree of you know, awareness. But when we turn towards what's happened between us, it's like, that's, that's a co-creation. So I'm mm -hmm. like, I don't know what's going to happen there. Right, yeah. right. So, so I love that. That falling in love to me is like that plunge into that space between us, that third space. Like, it's like, all right, mm -hmm. you know, I like look at you. And you look at me and you go like, yeah. you want to go in there? You go, yes. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, you grab hands. And, <laughs> and that's falling in love. And we're just like falling in this space between us. And it's yeah. an experience of love. It's experience mm. of this constant rush, this constant emergence of like, wow, there's more. As the deeper I go, right. the more there is. Yeah. Right, right. And in that, in that experience, it seems to me that one wouldn't need to manufacture such uh, distractions and um, illusions, like projections and just whole illusory worlds, you know, that people create for themselves, you know, in their life and act upon that aren't even real, like they're the creations of their own mind. Um, but that rush that you're talking about, you know, that natural experience of being in the unknown in your relationship is such a rush it really is and 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 that leads me to um the next big question that i wanted to explore with you is 
the state of being turned on and being so enlivened and aroused by that, which we just described, and then also everything and all of life. And this is something that I've been exploring for a while, but I, I keep wanting to bring it up in conversation with people. And when I bring it up, I feel as though um, people can't really relate or they don't really know what I'm talking about. Um, and so, so it's interesting. Um, I have a piece here that you had also written that we can uh, kind of uh, explore. This, is, this one I think that you're going to bring up was a little bit challenging for some. And I think that's, that's why there's a, there's a, anyway, let's, let's hear you read it and then we'll unpack it. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So where do I want to start with this? I think I'm going to start at the end. You said, uh, things may hurt at times, discomfort arises, stuff goes wrong, yet as I increasingly disidentify with being my emotional reaction, and as such become bigger and include my emotions as a response to life and something happening through me rather than as me, i.e. I become more of the witness, quote unquote, then emotions are a beautiful arising regardless of their flavor. Um, this was in connection to, to a thread on, you know, orgasm becoming available at any moment. Um, and you also wrote here, which I really love, I unsubscribe from the notion that life is suffering and relationships are hard work. I, you also said, I disagree that real life can't be an orgasmic or post-orgasmic state. It just depends on the relationship to life. I love that. Do you want to tell us more? So, again, I, I feel like we have a very limited, um, culturally and society, societally, a limited perspective on what orgasm is orgasm is seen to be this kind of like like this little sneeze at the end of a round of stimulation sexual stimulation my experience through like different practices for example orgasmic meditation is a, is a very intentional practice of being in the field of orgasm is that orgasm is a field it's it's a it's a field like love is you know like we can I, we can recognize that love is this field field and when we're falling in love right we're in this field experience of like love is just moving through us orgasm is the same it's like it's a field of being turned on mm -hmm. as you say that most people you say turn on and immediately we think of oh i'm sexually aroused there's engorgement in my genitals right which may or may not be true but turned mm -hmm. on is more like that kind of cellular buzzing right through that's just feeling exhilarated by life it's that it is like the touch of a lover it is like the words of a lover that kind of ignite that excitement and anticipation in us but that excitement and anticipation can be just in relationship to life in relationship to what's going to happen next relationship mm -hmm. to mystery mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. yeah yeah and then I'll, I'll keep going with the, another thought mm -hmm. um so I, I i spoke about the witness and so there's a, there's an interesting thing 
that's just coming to me now around kind of this witness consciousness and there's a there's almost like a masculine and feminine orientation to the witness which is an ascendant and descendant form of spirit, spirituality ascendant is very masculine ascendant is moving further and further moving and further and further into disidentification and so watching like the kind of the, the nature of the stoic or a lot of um non-dual and spiritual paths are very masculine paths and that that's like i'm watching motion and sensation for arise from a kind of a disidentified perspective it is very masculine mm -hmm. and it is a beautiful practice as a masculine practice but then there's also feminine practice which doesn't have very strong oral traditions which is a descendant practice which is actually becoming more and more immersed in experience however i do believe that there is a <laughs> form of witness consciousness inside of this mm -hmm. but it's not this looking away from mm -hmm. it's like being in completely involved like an involutionary but it's not like involved in an unconscious way it's it's consciously right. consciously being the experience that's arising and i can only consciously be the experience that it's arising if i recognize that it's not me mm -hmm. so there is still a recognition that my emotion that's arising right now you know from a more feminine perspective isn't me and yet I intentionally identify with it to experience the fullness of it. So there's like a conscious identification and that's the descendant yes. pathway. That's, that's consciousness descending into reality versus like reality ascending away from, you know, into consciousness. Yes. Yes. And I love that conceptualization that you provided between those two poles. I know very much what you're speaking of because in that state, it's very, it's very true. There is a sense of detachment and yet you're very involved, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> it's not like a third party, um, like a objective viewpoint sort of meditation where you really are kind of feeling separate from that. Mm -hmm. And you're watching it you're observing it um yeah i think um, one way to think about it almost is like you know and i've experienced being with women in my life there's kind of a process from orgasm let's like actually talk about sexual orgasm orgasm being something that kind of like they're in the experience of and it kind of ends and there's no real memory of it because it's mm -hmm. complete emotion, right versus when a woman actually learns to have orgasm and so she's witnessing herself in the fullness of the orgasm so she's in the experience of it but she's recognizing that she's having it versus it just being an experience that she's kind of immersed in and then like what happens you know that kind of experience mm -hmm. and i have some reflections um although i'd like to hear when you stated that um, orgasm becomes available at any moment. How do you experience it? I mean, of course it can be so varied. So that's a very vague question, but when you're in your, when you're in your experience throughout the day, is it, do you, is it a state that you create? Is it, um, do you, do you open yourself up to it? How I want to hear kind of your process because that's just I'm just curious. <laughs> so I'm I'm in a male body, 
and I have a more masculine orientation. So my experience of orgasm is, is different, you know, and mm-hmm. we can continue using the analogy of sex because it's a good analogy because we're talking about orgasm, which is an energy that's created through sex, but we're, we're actually expanding beyond sex. We're expanding yes. our daily yes. life. Yes. But as a man in a masculine body, my orientation towards sex is actually towards being in her pleasure. That's actually mm-hmm. my greatest turn on. So I'm in, in her physically, I'm in her pleasure. When she's in her pleasure, it almost becomes a field that envelops me. And I'm inside of that orgasmic field that she's generating. Yeah. So in life, for me as a masculine body, my experience is when I'm penetrating through life. And, and that, mm-hmm. what that means is that I'm moving through life with kind of a sense of clarity and a sense of commitment and a sense of like consistency and a sense of purpose. And that is actually an incredibly pleasurable way for me to orient towards life as a master. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, mm-hmm. the first time that really hit me was some years ago. I had stepped into a role um, managing the permaculture farm, uh, the intern, an intern program on permaculture farm. And I, it was the first time I really felt aligned with my sense of purpose in the world for that period of time. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like, and I remember feeling this, I'd wake up in the morning and it felt like I was fucking life open. And it was incredibly pleasurable. Like life was opening in front of me in that mm. in those moments. So for, mm. as a masculine, that's what it feels like for me. Mm. But then on the feminine side, I kind of extrapolate it. Female body, feminine expression is almost the opposite. It's like life is moving into, yes. life is yes. coming into and being open, constantly opening to life, opening to receive life. Life is washing mm. through in this like, the wind blows across the skin and it's like a lover's caress, you know, and the sound of the rain, you know, like all of it just is this sensuality that life mm-hmm. is moving. So again, like there's these polarized responses and, you know, if we're operating from a relative level, we're operating in a dualistic reality, we're operating with polarity. So we're playing with polarity. And then mm-hmm. as we do that, we're moving to increasing levels of non-duality where, these intertwine with each other and become you know yeah. one thing that they're, they're, right, they're polarity right. then you know and if we're moving into the exploration of that in union you know with with a romantic partner mm-hmm. we're starting to represent these we have both of them inside of us but we're representing them inside of the connection so that we can have the full spectrum between us and then we're actually mm-hmm. starting to it's not to intertwine more and more yeah um Thank you for describing that. I don't imagine that it's so easy to describe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, it make, does it make sense to you? Like you, you probably oh, have a sense of that yeah. experience, especially on the feminine side of what that's yeah. like, at least for moments and sometimes extended moments, I imagine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, for me, I've, I'm in a female body, mm-hmm. although I would say that I've experienced both. Um, you know, and it's interesting because um, I think when I started exploring this about a year ago, a year and a half ago, um, I was more in the masculine side of it, like what you described, because I would, I would, I would get in that state where it would help me kind of um, overcome fears by sort of just pushing into like life, like in whatever way that, you know, I wanted to, right. It was like very like penetrative like that that was kind of the feeling um and then every time like life responds and opens like 
I penetrate and mm. something successful mm. happens. Life opens to me even further. Mm. Exhilaration, yeah? <laughs> yes, yes. And then lately, um, it's been more of the more feminine side of it where I played around with, um, um, you know, um, I've been I've been sort of playing around with different things like taking taking a, a trigger like a stimuli that would normally be negative quote unquote you know how typically people just make it neutral right they neutralize it so that they have a better experience around it well I was like you know why don't I not just neutralize it which is what I've done forever um, why don't I make it sexual. Like, why don't I swing that pendulum, actually make it pleasurable rather than, you know, even neutral. And so I played around with that, at, um, like in the context of um, 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 seeing, seeing a doctor, like in certain, in certain spaces and certain things that would, I usually would, would not gain pleasure from, you know what I mean? It wouldn't be uh, a place and time and a circumstance where you'd usually feel like, oh yeah, this is totally going to you know, bring me into an ecstatic state, but that's the fun of it for me, where I realized that you can really flip around anything, like you can flip anything on its axis, like on its head, and actually, I don't advise it to everyone because it's nuanced, like I think you have to kind of work your way there through your own direct experience, and you have to use, you know, obviously wisdom and discernment and, you know, uh, just common sense, um, so just word of caution, obviously, but um, through my own experience, I've found that that has, you know, for, 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 that leads to, you know, hours and hours of a state where I just feel so full, so um, turned on by even the most mundane things, you know, anything. And that it relates so much to mindfulness for me. It's like, if I'm mindful in every moment nothing is predetermined this this dry branch in front of me is not a dry branch your brain would automatically read everything in your environment and classify everything in real time like so fast to you responding to it like if you see construction what's your feeling do you feel happy no you probably feel like oh i wish that wasn't there you know there's always construction going on well i was driving and i saw this crane you know and i just I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. I just started imagining, imagining scenarios, imagining things and everything became a, a source of so much satisfaction. So this is the kind of thing I meant when I, 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 I describe it to people and they don't necessarily know what I'm talking about. Um, but does that make sense to you? Totally. And, yeah. and what I love is like, it brings us right back to where we started for me. And so hearing you describe, hearing you in that experience, for me, it's like, I'm like, oh my God, that's so hot, right? Like it's, it's gorgeous. Mm. Your experience of doing that. And from me and kind of the way that I'm orienting, it's like, that to me sounds like you're receptive. You're able to receive, you're receiving life. And that actually has me feel safer. And it has me feel like, oh, I can be received. I could be received by you. I could actually be received by you, you know? And so this is where we start to dance, mm. relating between, you know, romantic partnering or something like that, where we actually start receiving. And that 
you're only capable of receiving another to the degree you can meet yourself or receive yourself mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that is you receiving life that is you receiving yourself which means that oh wow there's so much i can show up with and you'd be able to receive it i can show up with my my parts of me that aren't fully formed i can show up with the parts of me that are a little bit weak i can show up with the parts of me that are tender and vulnerable i can show up with the parts of me that i'm working on i can show up with the parts of me that are fucking badass and dominant and aggressive you know in in good ways i can show up with the whole spectrum of me and you have the capacity to receive that that's what that is bringing you know and same on this side i'm saying like this actively saying yes Where, whereas in the past we, we put limitations limitations around it oh constructions everywhere or that's a dry branch or these analogies you give (laughs) or that's you you know that's you being needy or that's you being you know i might i might if i'm limited i might look at something like when you're like i really want to be close to you i'm like i'm just being really needy now versus like receiving that and going oh yes i love that you've got that flavor in you you know Mm -hmm. so i'm receiving but it comes through that practice of being able to receive my own life and my own self How do you personally receive more of yourself? Hmm. It's been a practice. It's been a it's been a long life practice of opening to pain. Actually, is where it kind of mm-hmm. starts. I don't know if that's true for you as well, but I do mm-hmm. believe that in our path, there's a certain degree of pain we just have to open to. And there's like, a, there's a developmental trajectory. We can give an analogy, say like, it's a light analogy, but say like learning a musical instrument. When you start, it's kind of painful in that it doesn't work very well and you suck. Yeah, yeah. We can do that in terms of working with our own shadow and our own development, it's, but pain is way more visceral, right? So mm-hmm. opening towards my own pain over years and years and years and lots of pain and my own heartbreak. And then, you know, rather than closing down and resentment rather than like hating the people who hurt me or like trying to just numb myself out actually opening to that over and over and over and over again to that pain has allowed me to open more and more and more to, to the joy as well to the bliss to, the, to the, the positivity so there's a continuous opening of that you know and then there's some degree where the people in my life you know the lovers in my life or the people in my life show up with the level of receptivity that you're talking about too, me, matching me and my own level of receptivity, which deepens it, which actually starts to mm. accelerate. When we start getting together, we start actively practicing yes. receiving with each other. We snowball, you know, we're now in this snowball because there's more than one of us doing this work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, and, you know, I, I did hours and hours of emotional clearing work, you know, curled up in a fetal position on the, in the shower, bawling my eyes out, you know, like sitting in hot springs for, you know, for extended periods of time, meeting mm. the heat of the hot springs and having that meet my own emotional pain until something yeah. gives. And my emotional pain mm. has to give because the hot water doesn't mm. give. It's a constant temperature. Sitting in that hot water thinking I'm going to die. Like I'm actually going to die. If I don't get out of the hot water right now, I'm going to die. Mm. That's what my emotional pain is telling me. So that kind of thing over and over and over again. And then mm. at some point, really, it feels like the majority of that is done. I can, start, I can play the mm. musical instrument now. I can always get mm. better you know, and I can learn to jam and play with others better. But now <laughs> I know how to play. I can actually mm-hmm. play. I can free flow. You know, I'm no longer a beginner with mm. like my fingers and 
pain and making mm-hmm. distorted sounds. <laughs> yeah. mm. That's beautiful. So I guess, do you have a sentence for how you describe your relationship to pain? Pain is an opportunity to open I love that because it's so unconventional like and you know it really does require being able to be patient enough and and um willing enough to sit with it and be with it like what you're describing being with your emotions and not running away and not uh sublimating or distracting all those things um i think pain can be such a great ally um you know and pain can be so pleasurable as well i don't know it's like these paradoxes and i think the more that one avails themselves to the possibility of that and that's sort of i guess if i had a wish that would be my wish for people listening to this episode is um avail yourself to to something you might that you you may be closed off to right now but that can turn out to be really amazing and and surprising um i mean for example to your reply that we read about the post-orgasmic state and inhabiting that in everyday life um what do you find is maybe through your work you have encountered this where is there a principal resistance to that you know is there is there some resistances that you notice that people harbor that blocks them to experiencing what we're um describing mm-hmm. i mean the most obvious one is the resistance to the sexualization of things which generally points to sexual trauma mm. which a lot of people carry men and women and so whenever i have sexual trauma i'm going to have an aversion to sexualization of anything um mm. or mm. sometimes and it's often an aversion but sometimes it may be an addiction you know where i'm over sexualizing everything mm. so that's going to be one place you know I'm, I'm i'm really aware whenever i post something sexual or I post about certain particular energies there's always a response that gets evoked in some people and I and I'm maybe not across the board but a lot of the time it's it's pointing to deeper pain you know and 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 then that like whenever I'm like I take something and I get reactive and I start saying you're wrong you said this thing you're wrong that's an amazing opportunity to go why am I reacting to this thing what is this thing telling me about me? So anytime mm. I'm in reaction to the world, it's telling me something about me. It's telling me about something about some place in me that doesn't feel smoothness. Because if I do feel a smoothness in my system, you can say something that I don't agree with. And I'm like, ah, it's not me. And I just, turn, I just mm-hmm. go somewhere else. Like, it's not interesting. I'm not going to get mm-hmm. bothered by it. But if there's something, something in me that's evoking a response and I go, you better stop saying that because I feel uncomfortable, that's 
a great place to turn towards for myself. You know, what is it that has me feel uncomfortable? So that's one layer of resistance. Um, and I think that points to the deeper resistance to feeling the pain and the deeper and, and yeah. the fear, the fear that the pain is going to be forever. And I think that's what has us resist. And I, I've done a lot of this kind of emotional work. And then not that long ago, like over a year ago, just over, you know, coming up on two years ago, I encountered something that literally like put me all the way to my knees, beyond my knees, all the way to my buried belly, my face in the dirt. Like I was in hell. Like I went into a hell state and um, I experienced the most excruciating, excruciating pain I can ever imagine for, an ex for months, for like, probably around nine months on end, like without, without oh. let up, just emotional pain constantly around every wow. waking moment is a hell state. And what that was leading me to was an opportunity to integrate some really early stuff. And the mm. pain was the, the reason the pain carried on so long was because I refused to surrender to it. I refused to let myself feel it. Fully. I refused to actually allow it to just take me all the way and so in that resistance it continued and continued and continued until i had to give up i had to give up to it and mm. when i finally did it started to dissipate very quickly and my life turned around in ways that i cannot describe like so fast and it really felt like that piece of pain, that mm. piece was done, like it was complete. And that chronic depression experience that I suffered, you know, probably from the age of six, feels like it's done. Like I don't do that anymore. That's wow. not part of my makeup. Anymore. Mm -hmm. I can still feel the habituated neural pathways. Yes. And, but I have choice around not engaging with them. And I know, right. I know what happens if I do and how to come out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that the, the more I choose not to do that, the more I choose not to go there, those neural pathways are starting to unravel. You know, we have, mm -hmm. we have neural, neural pruning, you know, so we have mm -hmm. like our nervous system will actually start to cut away pathways that are not used anymore. So we can actually yes. let go of the pathways that are habituated to certain pain states through learning, learning. And the learning is the full realization of it which allows mm. the disidentification from it. So the ability to witness it mm. as an experience to me rather than being in it. And that gives me the choice, the volition around how to engage with it. Yes. Mm. I was just very present to what you were saying. I wasn't thinking about my next question. Okay. So to summarize, basically, and I think the first thing I said and the second thing is the same thing is it's like the resistance. You And you even said, what is people's resistance? Oh, yes, yes. With well, you mentioned trauma. Yeah. Is mm -hmm. resistance. Resistance yes. is yes. The resistance. Yes. The resistance yes. is yes. that trauma because the trauma <laughs> we experienced that, that set up those pain pathways in us was to a young body was mm -hmm. so devastating. It was literally a threat of death. So with we yes in that child brain we thought we were going to die and so we've done everything we can to stave off that fear we kind of yes. have to embrace that again yes yes i agree and um 
especially with sexual trauma, I can definitely see, you know, how that can get in the way. Um, especially you saying, you know, that part of the resistance may be the fear that the that the pain will persist, like that that it will just be forever, like it will forever be disappointing. It will forever be, you know, a, um, a perverted thing that feels awful, you know, and. Um, I can, I can relate, you know, I run a um, support group for um, rape survivors and sexual assault survivors. So um, I can see that. And at the same time, that's why I also see like that this can be such a great medicine, um, you know, to, to reclaim your own body and your own um, sexual desires, your own orgasm, your own everything around that. Um, and it's, it's, but yes, it does require that, uh, that confront, confronting of the pain and the emotions. And yet, even if you confront it, you know, eventually, you know, and, 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 and overcome it, like you're saying, there's still never any guarantee of anything. You know, you still have to, you still are in the unknown that even while you're learning these new ways of receiving yourself and relating to the world, um, it's not risk-free by any means. You know, you have to, you have to take responsibility for the fact that you cannot anticipate every pain and you cannot anticipate every trauma and there is no real safety, you know, um, and that can either be a source of fear and withdrawing, or it can be a source of excitement and um, further wisdom, you know? Yeah. And I think that's where, that's where the sense of security actually starts to come from is when I just embrace that I don't know, then I can actually be secure because I, <laughs> I, I can know the one thing, which is that I don't know. You know, I can mm -hmm. know that I don't know. So then I have certainty, you know, I have security and I don't know. Yeah, it's always that, isn't it always that paradoxical swing? It's like, if you can let go of control, then you actually have the most amount of control, you know, but what is your intention? You're not doing it, obviously, to have control. You're not doing it to have security. Um, but like you said, if, if you let go, then you're primed to be at a position where you can really make the best decisions because you're more aware in that moment. Um, and, I, and I just wanted to add one little piece because it occurred to me nice. when you were talking about the, um, the support and, and coming back to this meeting yourself. You can only be, you can only receive another to the degree that you can receive yourself. I can't remember exactly the words of the quote. There's something along those lines of mm -hmm. when I, or when we, any of us start actually meeting ourselves and meeting ourselves in this what we'll find is that we'll start to have experiences that meet us too so they kind of co-arise my ability to meet myself starts to bring the experiences that meet me to, to to enter into support groups like the one that you're running and be with others who will actually start to meet me in myself and then we get into that snowballing over time we actually start to move towards experiences move towards those who are going to actually meet us in that unfolding in that consistently opening to more opening to more receiving you know and, and it's, it's a very easy diagnostic to how how open to receiving life am i well what who are the kinds of people that show up in my life it's immediate diagnostic the, the, the kind of people that show up in my life reflect where i'm at in my life 
and reflect what I'm open to in my life. That's just mm. how it works. Even though I want it to not work that way sometimes, that is how it works. Mm-hmm. What would be, what, what would that be? What would those people reflect? Would they reflect also being able to receive more of you and yeah. be able to share more of themselves? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like, like I believe that, um, you know, when like there's this whole thing sometimes around being too much, you know, like I'm too much, yeah. I've got to curtail or contain my too muchness. Mm-hmm. Yet for people who really want to meet us, there's no such thing as too much. It's like I want more. Like I want to know all of you. <laughs> like and 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 I realize in that that I can never know all of you. So that means I have the rest of my life to know you, you know. Constantly. There's always more to know. So there's no such thing as too much from that place. You can't be too much for someone who actually wants to know you. And, and the too much yeah. comes back to that fear, that control, that sense of like, oh, if you love me too much, then I'm going to be responsible for you. And that means that I'm going to have to do this certain thing. So I want to contain mm. the amount that you're able to give to me so that mm. I can feel safe for not having to do this. And that's going to expose the places <laughs> where I feel like I'm not good enough and all of that stuff you know, gets caught in a place where it's just like, oh my God, I want more, you know? And that's that that opening opening to the discomfort opening to whatever that's going to bring up you know yes exactly yeah yeah and 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 uh, like kind of reminds me of what you were describing earlier like being open to the rush of sort of uh you know life life being able to receive life you know being able to allow what's happening to happen and it's like the same thing with the other person it also reminds me of um like nature, you know, and, and, and if, if we look at our environment, I think that everything to me, at least this is my experience. I'm not making any claims. This, this is how things are. This is what I, what I observe. Everything is constantly calling me to be more of myself. You know, if I, if I go in my environment, literally, I feel like if you're paying attention and you're observing nature and everything in your life, everything in the world, everything is calling you always to receive more, to discover more, to inhabit more of yourself and more of it, you know, because I feel like as you're, you're, you're inhabiting more of yourself, you're inhabiting more of life, you're inhabiting more of the glory, which is always present around us. So it's, it's like, um, it's such a feedback loop always with everything, you know, even I feel inanimate objects, you know, even everything I feel is always in communication with us. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that nature is nature is always calling me to be more of myself i mean that that feels very true to me that and i i like i want to frame it in a couple of different ways as well just to highlight it like one analogy that i love is the analogy of the you know the we can use any tree but often the acorn the acorn contains within it the blueprint of the oak tree and it's being called by nature into this giant majestic tree and that is what it does it is the, the, the function of the acorn is to become an oak tree and, it, and nature calls it into that through the consistent beating of the sun and the rain and the nutrients in the soil and the interaction with the fungi and the other plants and the worms and everything. And we are no different in that we are this natural phenomena that's being, that's being pulled by an evolutionary impulse, by a talos mm-hmm. into being the most fully express, expressed or realized version of us, the, the, 
that, that who we are meant to be is already contained within us as the blueprint of us. That, that is our DNA that is calling us to be who we're meant to be. And we already are, you know, exactly. we already are it and we're continuing yes. to be it. We're continuing yes. to unfold that. Yes. I feel that's why we're even driven to our desires because we already are them. You know, it's, it's something that you already were like before you were born. So it, it's only natural that you would think those thoughts and have those states of, oh, I want this or I want to experience that. It's because that's you. It's been you, you know, but it's ever unfolding, like you said, and it does evolve. Um, beautiful. And then when it becomes, then when it becomes, so there's that, there's my own self participation with the unfolding of my essence. But then when it becomes really fascinating is when we bring it relational. And I, I rec if I recognize that and you recognize that, that means that I can be participating with that and I can constantly call you into more of yourself and you can call me into more of myself. And together we're participating in that as well. And so that every interaction that I have with you, I'm saying, yes, I want more of you. I want more of your essence. I want you to show up more fully as you every single moment. And I welcome it over and over and over and over again. And you're doing that for me. And that way we inspire each other into greatness. Yes. And, and, um, and more of ourselves and more of each other and more of everything all the time. <laughs> Incredible. Thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I don't know how to describe it. Amazing it feels like a silly <laughs> word, to be honest. Um, great. Really yeah. Where can um, anyone find you? Where's mm -hmm. the best place to get in touch? Okay, so I'm on, I'm very, I'm most active on Facebook. My name is Damien Belair. Um, I just ask that people, if we don't have a huge amount of mutual friends, just send me a message first, like, because I'm kind of teetering constantly on the 5,000 limit. So I'm having to unfriend people to make new, make space for new people. Um, you can also just follow me there as well. It's really nice because, you know, it doesn't really matter. And you, I welcome a lot of engagement on my writing and I love to respond and engage with people. I'm also on Instagram at evolutionary relating on word. Um, and I've been a little bit more active there. Uh, mm -hmm. I struggle with that platform because I don't really like it very much, but I've started mm -hmm. contributing to that space a bit more. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and my website is www.evolutionaryrelating.org.org. Um, and that's currently an overhaul and expected to be overhauled in by the end of March, early April, um, in which I will be releasing kind of my flagship program. We'll move into a self-paced course with an associated community and regular classes, which I'm training facilitators for. It's like, it, it's like my first big offering that I kind of want to complete and put there as something that people can continue to go as I start developing other things and I start expanding my focus into other things. Um, and for any men listening, if for the, in March, I'm running a month long uh, container for men called entitled Purpose, which is really anchoring into purpose um, as kind of the foundation for a lot of we're talking, what we're talking about, especially that masculine orientation to, towards life. And we wanna be doing that from a place that is very integrative. We're integrating the sensitivity and all the other things and then we're orienting from an integrated masculine perspective for the purpose of engaging life in a certain way and engaging potentially romantic partners in a certain way. An integrated polarity understands 
both inner masculine and feminine, but then start to orient um, masculine pole for mm. just for just because it can feel better in a male body who's more masculine to actually start really orienting consciously with that versus an unconscious orientation. So mm. it's, it's kind of like a really it's an integral teaching. It's a it's a very integrated teaching for masculine, but it's oriented around like the main focus is purpose, but it's actually much broader than that. Mm. That's what Beautiful. I Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And that all sounds lovely. And uh, thank you again. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, before you run away, please take a moment and leave a review for the show. Scroll up, press those stars, and leave an honest review of what your experience listening to this just was. How are you feeling right now? How did this change the way that you feel and think? let me know. I want to read your review. I want to read about your experience and I want to share it. If you're one of the people who's feeling like I want more of this, oh God, this feels good. And I want more of where this came from. Well, my friend, I've got the perfect, perfect invitation for you. Within Patreon, I share that kind of juju that I don't share anywhere else. It is completely a private space and community to dive even not just deeper into this, but actually get even wilder. It is uh, a bit wild and extreme and savage in the sense that uh, the things that I'm sharing are very cutting edge in a lot of different ways and it is brand new. It is a brand new space, completely fresh energy and I'm going from now, which is September if you're listening to this, forward. I hope to see you there if you're one of those people who is coded to bring this into their lives in this time now. Loving you always. Keep being your brilliant self and take very good care of yourself. Goodbye.